In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley, and my podcast geisha is the one and only Travis Ratz. <laughs> On the Comic Exposure Podcast, we talk about comic books. Uh, we talk about pop culture nerd stuff. This is one of our comic book club episodes, so you are turn- tuned in to our discussion on the image comic Tokyo Ghost. Oh, That's what we're talking Tokyo about today. Ghost, ah. <laughs> as, just, is as, that, I could do that the whole podcast, right? And that won't get annoying? I might. It might get a little like, but you grew up in Japan, so oh, I'm going to allow it. I'm going to yeah. allow it. <laughs> <laughs> you are funny. So it's awesome. Not uh, only is it my Japanese accent, it is my Master Splinter accent as well. It's you know what one in the same. Mm-hmm. I my thought process is that everyone in Japan sounds like Master Splinter, which is probably not true. You're probably actually not true. No, actually, you're not that far off, my friends. No. <laughs> if you watch TV in Japan, it's all like. Japanese game shows are my favorite thing to watch. Japanese game shows are my favorite. Ay, thing to watch. Ay, 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 uh, that's a that's Spanish game show. Ay. Yeah, it's Spanish. <laughs> so Travis, we have a guest on the podcast today to talk about Tokyo Ghost. Why don't you introduce our guest? Oh everybody? man, I'm so excited for this because I've been waiting to get this guest on the podcast for a long time. For the guest today, we have none other than my bestest friend in the whole wide world, Mr. Scott Wayne Taylor. Ooh, full what? name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm happy to be here. You know, um, Travis and I met each other in Japan. And so, um, are you it, going through our, cool. are you, are you going to talk about our meet cute? Oh, well, I mean, we can do that too. But, uh, <laughs> I, honestly, my exposure to comics, uh, is the comic exposure podcast, really. I mean, hey. I've never, I had never read a comic book before this. And and it's interesting. I didn't even so Travis and I have been best friends for a long time. I mean, we've we grew up together, went to high school together, have kept in touch, seen each other uh, every couple of years since since high school. So I mean, we're very close friends. And honestly, he he my friend uh, kept his comic bookness very much to himself. I didn't didn't even know he liked comic books in high school. We spent. Every day together in high school, mm. all my buddies, we, we all hung out. Travis was, uh, he was a little ashamed, I think, of his comic book. That's right. Well, it he wasn't, kept, he kept his nerd, he kept his nerd hidden. Yeah, that's right. Hidden. I remember, concealed. I remember <laughs> we, we, we grew up in Japan on, um, on Air Force and Army bases for many years. That's where we met. And I remember going to the little bookstore on our base and they had a little comic book section and it's such a small town feel on the base that sometimes one of my friends would come in when I'd be looking at comics and I'd have to like go wander off and pretend I was like, let's check out the Playboys up here, right guys? We like tits, huh? We like tits? Are we, are we, can we all agree on tits? And yeah, so what about Green Lantern, guys? Yeah, he's like, I think Travis is looking at comic books. What? Nah, dude, I was looking at tits. No, so yeah, so um, you know, Scott's been listening to the Comic Exposure uh, podcast, as you can tell, because he's jumped in right into the yeah. what was your first exposure to comics. We didn't even get to ask you the question, yeah. Scott. Come on, stay man. in line, sir. Just because you're my best I'm friend sorry. doesn't mean yeah. I'm not afraid to slap sorry, you in the dude. face. I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, 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 I thought I thought this would be an appropriate book because we did grow up in Japan, and the title of it is Tokyo Ghost, so it's maybe a little uh, on the nose, but I thought, let me get my buddy Scott on here. And, as we always say, the point of this show is to expose people to comics, and there's no one more exposed. This, Scott, right now, before this podcast, was like a a, a white, pale, albino man who had never <laughs> been to the beach, right? Never seen the sun. Never, in yeah. In a cave. yeah. <laughs> And he's like, oh, I'll go, maybe I'll go to the beach. It'll be fun. But you got exposed, my friend. So I'm interested to see what I you did. not only thought about this book, but what you thought about uh, um, uh, comics. So this this is yeah. not a this is not like a newbie book. Like having like no. having read it, this is like a 
This is like a you you threw him to the lions, Dan. Man, I did. This is, threw I did. me in the deep end for sure. There's some yeah. there's some um, interesting panel layouts too, where you kind of have yeah. to be familiar with the medium to to follow yeah. it correctly. So Scott, it's not I, like you gave it. So we didn't give him Superman because I'm like, yeah, I know Superman. Like you gave yeah. him something that like <laughs> baby steps, death of Superman. What the hell is this? <laughs> so I, I do okay. want to ask you this again, Scott, so we can clarify. So up until this point, what has been your exposure to comics? So comic book movies, I've always liked those, like the the Dark Knight, the Dark Knight Rises, that kind of thing. Um, just I, I've loved the new Daredevil series. I've heard you guys talk about it on your podcast, um, and I also I was a big fan of of, of Daredevil. Um, my wife and I got into uh, the Arrow, um, some of the CW, you know, yeah. spinoffs of that, and and so it really. X-Men movies, uh, the Batman, of course, I mean, after school, I loved, you know, the Batman cartoons, but even though I, I loved them, I never took that next step and actually went and, and read the comic books. And, and honestly, um, you know, I got thrown into the deep end here. Um, and I'm not gonna, I mean, I know you, you guys have a structure to this thing, but I'm kind of, I feel, I feel a little but, like, but screw Travis, your structure. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Travis was a little selfish, you know, having been my friend for so long, he, I think he could have exposed me early on. Like even as a kid, he you know, we're buddies. To you we're, way we're, earlier. We're, yeah. He never, he never went and exposed himself. And and if he would have, I, you know, I would have took taken advantage. Look at Absolutely it. Look at it. Advantage. Don't look away. <laughs> so yeah. isn't that a little messed up, Josh? I, it is. It's so it's it's pretty I, like I get selfish. it because it's it is very selfish. This is um the medium of comics has, has been something that's that I think is really in sort of this renaissance right now. Uh, you can consume it in so many ways, and it and you can get it. You know, you can go to Barnes and Noble, and the and the graphic novel section at Barnes and Noble is huge. Like the amount of stuff that you can just walk in and grab, or that you can get digitally, is crazy today. Now, back when we were kids, it was a little tougher to get that stuff, um, and so I think with that, maybe you didn't tell everybody about it because like it wasn't this big thing, right? Like watching Batman the animated series, everybody could do that. Yeah. But like that extra nerd step, you know, right. I, I I get it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, thanks, I, Josh. Okay. Hey, guess what? Guess who just stepped up in the running for best friend, new best friend. <laughs> he doesn't judge I, me. I get it. Yeah. I get it. But I, you know what? You should have shared your it, comments. It wouldn't though. be, it, it, yeah. Yeah, but on Josh's point, it is interesting how things have changed. It's now Scott's like, you know, oh, you should have introduced me to comics. But the time it was, it was like. I don't, it was it's such a like a private it was such a private thing in the in the 90s it's just like well i also you know read fantasy novels i wasn't you know talking about those or you know i had i liked to the dwarf series <laughs> yeah exactly or yeah you know you like this show and, and you sometimes everyone. you know like some of the kids that were were that that would draw i know you're a drawer josh but um <laughs> yeah, i know okay. but they but there were some of the kids that would draw and and have like the the you know the that's all they did during class and all that and so i remember probably like that dude's kind of weird you know or or maybe making fun of him or something and so maybe that travis like sensed that yeah. i don't know and travis is like I really like uh, that drawing. Hmm. That was a great drawing, man. This guy was like, "Look at that dork drawing. <laughs> that. Who, who draws, that? right, who Travis? Draws. Yeah, who, who, yeah. Who draws? Who likes drawing? Are stupid, Ooh, stupid. <laughs> but it's weird, you know. Like Travis and I both liked, um, like Clerks. Um, some of those movies that definitely had comic book influences. I'm yeah. sure, like uh, the you know the the culture there. And I remember thinking like. Comic book stores and that whole thing seems cool, but there's there it's intimidating as well because it seems like um, people who do get really into comics, like they do speak their own lingo, and uh, if if you're not into that culture, it, they can definitely make you feel uncomfortable and and maybe you know they can be condescending if you're trying to jump in or you know what I mean. So there is yeah. there is that part of it that. That, that somebody trying to break into it can can be uncomfortable. I, I go to a, a hole-in-the-wall comic book store, and it's my hole-in-the-wall, so I love it, but it is like yeah. 
it is definitely a place it's definitely a place that if you were if you went in there for the first time you would be like nope and you'd turn around because it's it's this tiny little place it is literally floor to ceiling comic books and just junk everywhere it's really tiny there's like one little alleyway to walk through uh (laughs) but they cut me a great they give like great deals on comic books and that's a place where I wouldn't I would never send someone who's like, man, where can I buy comic books? I wouldn't send them there. I'd right. send them to like a much friendlier comp, not friendlier, but like a much like visually friendly store. Because there's a couple of them around us in Arizona where I'd go, yeah, I'd go to Gotham City or go to Samurai. Um, don't go to Greg's because like it's comic book shop guy. Like that's right. the, that's what I was gonna say. I think Simpsons did the whole scene yeah. a disservice by having the comic book yeah. guy because that was mainstream's culture's yeah. peak in the comic book world. Yeah. Oh, get, get out of here! You you know like it's it worst is worst Batman ever. Yeah, that's a good but, point too. The idea that you know going into that anytime you start a new hobby, there is like if you've got if you've never gone to yoga class, walking in there is like uh, I don't belong. Or you know <laughs> if you if you even if you go play paintball, I, I went to play paintball a couple weeks ago, and I walked into the paintball course. There's a bunch of dudes decked out, loading their guns, and I'm like, I'll have f- uh, ten paintballs, please. <laughs> <laughs> But it, I think there's a parallel too with like music as well. Tra- you know, Travis and I were both music snobs in high school. Oh yeah, and we had like you know the 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 CD stores and music stores that we were into, and everybody else had bad taste and we had great taste. <laughs> and so when people tried to you know you know to say what music they liked, we were like, oh gosh, you guys are yeah. lame. <laughs> you know, we're we're cool. And so I I can see um I can see how it culturally you know there's there's parallels same with with sports like travis sitting at like a college football game watching i love football um and and love sports in general and and when i sit and watch it with travis i have to like take a step back and be like yeah it's gonna be like watching it with my wife you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) ah god when's this game over baby it's only been half an hour uh, I'm hungry. Where are all the nachos? We ate all the nachos, babe. I don't know what you wanted to say. <laughs> so, all right, well, we will see how good you are, Scott, because we're going to launch into this. Awesome, Josh. Give me some, something. Do you, uh, do you have? Do you want to do quick summary? Yeah, let's let's talk about that, and I'll, I don't mind doing the uh, um, summary on that. So, well, reading, so go ahead. Uh, we are just to start us uh, just to get back into it. Uh, our comic book for today. If you missed it from all the Japanese talk is Tokyo Ghost from Image Comics uh, and uh, by Rick Remender and Sean Murphy on art and uh, Hollingsworth on colors. Uh, this is like <laughs> this is like a Travis Rath dream team. Oh. So I want, I want Travis to go ahead and, and, and give us the, uh, the short and dirty version of what this right. book's about. Um, so this, I guess the best way to describe this book genre-wise is like a dystopic science fiction uh, tale about uh, a society in the future – which it, global warming has struck, glaciers are melting, uh, technology has overrun society, so everyone is this technology pleasure addicted uh, citizens. Uh, we start off in L.A. where we meet our two main characters, uh, uh, Detective Led Dent or Lieutenant he's a Led, Led Dent and <laughs> Debbie Decay, right? And these two are going to be our protagonists through this first volume as they come up against the evil Flack Corporation, uh, and that's just the corporation name they give for the guy who's running all the the technology and kind Every, of running, like running everything yeah, really big right? corporation basically you know um and so uh we follow uh debbie and um lead dent aka teddy as they uh first uh fight crime in la and then they move to tokyo on a mission but they find out in tokyo that they can't use technology in tokyo it is a uh, there's an EMP field, uh, and they can't use technology, so it's a place to detox for technology. So basically, this story is a dystopic sci-fi genre in which technology rules the world. We're all technology zombies, and two characters try to break away by going to the uh, paradise that is Tokyo. Problems ensue. Cut to conversation. All right. So, guys, let's let's start off really quick. Here's here's what I want to here's what I want to start off with. Um, this book. Although um, part of an ongoing series, I think when this airs, 
issue six will have just come out. So there's a little gap between one, two, three, four, five, and then then issue six. But it almost seems, and you could read it as one contained story. Do you think so, guys? Would, could you take it? You take it that way? I mean, this first volume, Atomic yeah. Garden. Yeah, I could see it being. Uh, it has it has a beginning, middle. It has that three act structure yeah. in this first uh, this first uh, uh, volume. It does leave it open ended with some of the yeah. characters. But I I read it and I was like, oh, I feel. Yeah, I want more, but this is a contained story. Like, if it mm-hmm. ended, if that was the end of it, and there was no more Tokyo Ghost, I'd be like, oh, okay, they told they told the story, right? And, and although there mm-hmm. was some bits and pieces hanging, maybe, yeah, few, it felt like a really self-contained arc. It did, yeah. It had that three-act structure, absolutely. So, so go, ahead. go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, backing on that question, so yeah. one of the things that I think is uh, interesting about this book is we read the first five issues, and I, my personally, I think each issue is very different, and it kind of leads the story in different directions. So you could really like one issue, and it's not just because you like one issue doesn't mean you like all the issues. I feel like, and so I want to talk about this first issue, right? Num- issue number one, because I think it almost stands on its own. It is our introduction <laughs> to the character. So Scott, your first comic book. You've never read panels before. You open up this book, the first issue of it. What's running through your head? It was a little confusing at first. Uh, you know, it, it definitely jumps right in, and and you're you're kind of saying, "Well, who's, you know, what, what am I looking at?" And it, but you know, I, I think it after I, I was really interested in in what was going on. Um, it, it seemed I, I wanted to turn the page, even though I was a little unsure exactly um, what was happening at first. But uh, and and it didn't take too long before, you know, it started to pick up and, um, you know, I, I basically got I got hooked, right. you know, and, and I ended up reading the whole thing in uh, one night, you know, so yeah, I, I, I mean, it was just, too. yeah. It, yeah, it, it grabbed me. I read it quick. Awesome, awesome. And, and Josh, I actually had given you the first issue you before did. the volume, and I remember your when you were talking about the first issue, what are some of your thoughts when you read that first issue? So this is something that happens. This is like, this is how comics, this is this era we're in with comics right now that every first issue drops you in the middle of everything. Mm-hmm. I, every first issue I pick up, I'm always like, what the hell is, <laughs> like, what the hell is going on? And so I, if my only, um, after making my way through all five issues, I, I think I found myself ending in a different place than where I started. Mm-hmm. When you handed me that first issue of it, it felt really heavy handed mm-hmm. uh, and really like, yeah, I got it. Technology's bad. Right, right. But But when I got to read it coupled with everything that followed after it, it didn't seem as heavy handed. Right. When you like, when I just read that very first issue, and, and, and that's all I could read, right? Nothing else had come out yet. It was, I was like, okay, I got it. Technology bad, but it. The second time reading through it and being able to jump right to the next issue left a better left a better taste with me as I made my way mm-hmm. through it. I, I think that this reads really well as a trade, and I think it reads really well as a trade. Uh, and I would say the one benefit uh, that even though we threw you a tough one, Scott, that because this is a really self-contained beginning, middle, and end to a story, it's a lot easier. You get, you know what I mean? Like you can get through it, and you're not left with anything really where you're like, "Well, what's gonna?" You know, you get a "What's gonna happen?" But you don't end the story with a complete and utter cliffhanger that you need issue six to to end. For Which you. might have been a let let down for for a first comic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And more importantly, <laughs> you don't have 50 trade. years of prior lore to get yeah. under your belt before right. you yeah. read an issue, you know? Yeah. So, I'm actually curious about this, Scott. So when you're reading it, I'm always curious about people how people read comics. Um, yeah. Some people really they, – they'll examine both pages for the art first, then go back in and read the dialogue. Other people's eyes go directly to the words balloons, and they kind of ignore the art the first time through, and they go back. So what was your process? And re- did, you, did you take notice of – if you're going directly to the words or looking at the art or how was that, how was that for you? Well, I was sure, you know, I think I was going to the words initially, 
but I would still try to take a step back because I, I almost didn't want to get too ahead of myself and try to read ahead or, you know, get, let's say there, there's a surprise coming. I, I, I don't, I don't like to spoil things. I like to do things in very structured order. And so I wanted to make sure that if I was going to take a step back, I was trying to just look at that frame and, and see what was going on there. And then, but, but I was still following the words and then following it as structured as I could. And and in fact, yeah. Like that's like master. That's like master reading right there. That's that's what I like to hear. That's <laughs> you have a self control, Taylor. Oh, you are wise beyond your years. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's that's really interesting. Should we should we talk about these characters? Because it's kind of hard to get into the book without kind of talking about these characters. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Josh. You on this one first one. Um, uh, Lead Dent um, <laughs> and I love um, Debbie Decay. Debbie uh, Decay is such like a, it's such a like goth or like punk rock name. It sounds like, like a Blondie album or something yeah, like that. Like, yeah, right. Like, or she dated Sid Vicious, I think. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Didn't um, Sid Vicious beat her with a coat hanger? I think so. I think that's like a hot coat hanger. He heated up on the stove first. <laughs> what do you think about um, their relationship and their their arc? I really like going through the whole story. I really enjoyed. I thought the relationship. You kind of you kind of question Debbie a little bit because you're mm-hmm. like. Why, why right mm-hmm. but she but then you start to see what she remembers about him about when they were younger and once you get that you kind of go oh i understand more right like it's not like you're with this weirdo um but led dent for the first couple issues is nothing right like he's just like a, mo- a hulking monster who looks at porn all the time yeah, he's like, like that- he's like max but like a, yeah. like, a, like an x-rated version of max yeah like that that's all he is um but then you get you get to get him a little once they get to Tokyo and he has to get off the drugs and off the off the um the the media the endless stream of stuff you get to see him and you get him as a character um it was kind of cool they both they both went on like their own arcs uh, and I think both of them were kind of fleshed out really well in that way mm-hmm. I didn't think I I wanted there wasn't any point where I was like, man, I wish I knew just a little bit more about either character. I think, I think, uh, Remender did a really good job of fleshing them out. Right. I love the, the idea of, um, him just puking up nanobots. Like that, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's all it takes. I was like, is this, I don't, can this character, is he going to be one dimensional? And is that kind of like, it's just yeah. Debbie's story. And then he's like, Bleh! and then he's like, Oh, I'm cool. I'm good. Hey, what's up guys? Sorry. <laughs> Normal. <laughs> Nanobots. <laughs> Scott, what do you think about these two characters? At what point in the story did you care? Did you start caring about both one or either of these characters? If you did at all. Um, yeah, I think when they tell the backstory that helped out to, to, to kind of relate to, um, like, like just like Josh said, why um, she was caring about Led Dent in the first place. Um, for for whatever reason, even when Led Dent became um, normal again, he he bothered me throughout the story. I I never really liked him. <laughs> you know, uh, he just he, you know even his good self wasn't. Well, what is it? What, what do you think about him that wasn't? What didn't make him a likable character? Was it like a specific thing he did, or just his demeanor, or like his motivation for becoming Lead Dent? For those, uh, I, I, spoiler that you know Lead Lead Dent becomes juiced up because he had in his childhood he failed protect. He failed to protect the woman he loved, so he gets juiced up with this nanotech, and it kind of makes him this zombie, as Josh said, this one-dimensional yeah. character for like the first two issues. Uh, and then he becomes his um, old self again, and um, we're deciding, is this character likable or not? Scott says, I don't really like this guy. I'm trying to figure out, is it the, the actions he does, the way he portrays himself, or is he just kind of an unforgivable character because of what— how he threw away his humanity earlier. Maybe that's it. There was just nothing that, that rehooked me once I'd already maybe just thought, you know, she, one, I I just don't like the fact that he took the shortcut in the first place. Mm -hmm. I guess that's spoiler alert. I mean that he, you know, 
Yeah, that that he, you know, as as a a kid just decided I'm going to take the easy way. I I I myself don't like being picked on. I don't like being so low on the on the on the uh food chain. And so I'm going to take a shortcut even though it gets, goes against my core beliefs. And so I think that, you know, he's a coward then in that moment. Even though he's a he's a you know he's a good kid and 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 you know I'm sure he's likable at that moment to to uh, Debbie and whatnot, but but the fact is he's a he was a coward then and I think he's he's always going to be a coward even even his true self seemed cowardly to me he's just I don't think he ever was able to redeem himself and I would say this exactly and I think for me like Travis as an English teacher as you as an English teacher. This is a Greek tragedy, is it not? Correct. Like yeah. you get you get him and like we see him as this big beast and then he's sort of redeemed where he's everything's good for him, but his fatal flaw, this need to be able to be the baddest dude or be able to ultimately protect the love of his life gets in the way and he throws away his humanity again and spoiler alert <laughs> Debbie dies at the end, right? right? Like he loses what he did all this for. And it, it, I think Remender does a really good job of telling that tale. And I think you're right, Scott, he's never really likable or, or Mm. he's never fully redeemed, you know, because it's, it's only five issues. So it's not like we've, we pulled along him being back to normal for a long time. Mm -hmm. Essentially the issues where he's back to normal end up being like, he's, uh, you know, he's, He's, it's like a, uh, what, uh, now I can't think about it. When a movie, when they show you everything happen, a montage, right? You mm-hmm. get like a montage. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, it was weird. You get a montage of them being back together, but you don't get, you know, a real sense of him as just a person. You know, you know he's fine, right. but you don't know him as someone who's normal. Right, right. And I, I, I think that's very apt way of describing it josh as that greek tragedy as the kind of framework of that i didn't even yeah. make that connection but once you said it, i was like things just clicked in place that makes a lot of sense and i think that's it's not an accident that we're yeah we're using that old framework of that of that unlikable hero i even hesitate to use the word hero in this you yeah. know it, um but i will say that you did mention something about that um one of my favorite parts first of all i think that um, at some points it had some slow parts for me or parts that I wasn't uh, loving. I love this book. I think issue number two is one of the most perfectly written comic books there is. <laughs> it takes you from the city uh, and you get the background, you get the, the history of the two, and they still manage to take you into Tokyo and show you that beautiful reveal scene of Tokyo and get you excited about where this is going. Because it's like, it goes from the noise, the chaos, to this quiet, beautiful paradise, and the way it's drawn is it looks amazing. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to spend more time in that detox with with <laughs> Lead Dent. I, yeah. I wanted to see him interact and help the village out or go on adventures with the village, earn his place, earn their trust. I feel that... I, I loved seeing that detox with him and mm-hmm. um, uh, Debbie, and I feel like the payoff at the end with, as you said, Debbie's death and yeah. a couple of other people dying, um, I feel like that would have just been more emotional if I had spent maybe one more issue in there doing yeah. some very kind of bottle episode type uh, adventures. Yeah. What, what, what do you think, Scott? Sure. Oh, absolutely. Because then maybe you you would feel sorry for him at some point. But you, you, you like you said, you 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 never you never really get a sense of him. Like you like you were saying, they have the little montage of yeah. uh, you know them together, and and you know they they briefly touch on it. But you don't you know if if it, it's almost like I think they wanted you to at some point connect with him. And then just so, you know, so, so it lets you down harder later on. But, but for me, um, I, I just got a sense that, you know, like you were saying, Josh, that, that, um, 
you know, at the end, he loses the thing that he was doing it yeah, for. Yeah. I would even say that he 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 never did it for her, really. I think he did it mm-hmm. for himself, and I think it, it's yeah. I, I think he's he's a uh, you know. It was self-interest, and and he was selfish. He he used that as as an excuse, but really it was about him and his ego. And and I think that had they spent maybe like you said another issue, maybe yeah. you would maybe he would have been a little bit more complex of a character where you do start to see some of the reasons why she she loved him in the first place, and and give you a reason to love him. Right. Yeah, I, I think you're I think you're totally right. I, like. We get that montage. You're like, oh, he's helping them build villages and stuff, but you don't spend enough time with him. And Travis, I'm, I'm going to go into like a real comic book, uh, a real industry sort of thing with you. Do you think that they did that because they needed five or six issues to do a trade? And so you have to contain this arc into five issues. Yes. And so you can't drag it out because then you don't get a complete story arc to sell in a trade, right? you split your arc into two things. Right, and, you know, um, Brewbreaker is... No, uh, Brewbreaker. Um, um, who am I thinking of here? Remender? Uh, Remender. I, can't wait. I always confu- confuse Brewbreaker and Remender. Remender is no novice here. He knows exactly how the comic book market works. He yeah. knows exactly how to structure a story. And I like Remender. Uh, I think that... Uh, I like this stuff on X-Force... Uh, he's pretty consistent as a writer with giving you new, exciting ideas, pushing the envelope as far as ultraviolence. Even in his Marvel stuff, he was pull- pushing the envelope on that. Mixing of genres, he mixes genres really well. He's pretty consistent. There are some things of his that I was like, eh, but for the most part, I really like Remender. And he's no fool. He knows exactly how comics are marketed. He knows exactly how to pace a story in that three-act structure. And he knows you get... Five, six, if they had just extended that trade out into six, you know, like wait till six to hit that trade. <laughs> yeah. Then I think you could have done exactly yeah. what we were talking about. And Romeo and Juliet is a tragic love story, but it's different. You could feel a little bit for Romeo because he says, I am fortune's fool. And dramatic yeah. irony leads him to go back and throw his life away and throw away yeah. everything he worked for. Dramatic irony does not lead Dent to do that. He makes a choice. He is yes. fully aware of all the factors in the situation, and he still makes a choice to revert back to it. And then, but I think, but that's his, that's his flaw, just like Oedipus's flaw, or just like, right. you know, I don't think, I don't think Romeo doesn't have that same sort of flaw that you get in some of those other, you know, in a Greek tragedy as his opposed flaws to flaws youth, yeah, as opposed to a Shakespearean tragedy. I think those Greek ones right. are always like. Something about yourself, something you're always this Achilles heel that you're going to fall back on. And I think his was not being willing to do it himself. Right. Right. Or take the hard way. Right. Like he wasn't able to take the hard way to do it. He was going to cheat, like Scott said, to get himself able to protect the people or to give himself what he believed was the ability to protect. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And his story seems to be parallel to the whole story of the the city of Los Angeles in this apocalyptic time. It's yeah. a p- parallel of, you know, just um, where nihilistic, um, self in self centered, self selfish, um, you know, uh, ideals where you're just trying to satisfy your own needs and your own pleasures ultimately lead to your own destruction and the destruction of others around you as a result. You can't, you, you may think that you're, um, you know, uh, only doing something to yourself or, you know, you're taking some shortcuts, but there's always unintended consequences as the bigger picture shows, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Good connection between the character and the environment there. I think that, um, we should talk about the, uh, the theme here. Um, this is definitely not a new theme, Josh. You you kind of <laughs> you you caught on yeah. to that in that first issue, and it felt a little bit on the nose. It did, um, it did. But I think Remender does a good job. At first, it seems really in your face, but it gets a little less so as you move away. Yeah. You know? What is what is Josh? Uh, 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 actually, Scott, let me go to you on this one. What do you think Remender is bringing 
new to the table as far as this theme of technology bad, nature good. Like, what is he bringing something new to the conversation or changing the perspective or giving you a different in? Like, as far as his uh, reason for writing this story, um, what what new is he giving us on on this uh, idea? Um, tough question. Sorry. No, it is a tough question, but I, I what I what I like, um, and and I don't know if it's new, but uh, I, I think the um, the gold standard, the the or or the or the goodness in this story is definitely Debbie. I don't know what's the the right way to phrase that, but she's she's the moral compass, I guess. There you go through through all this. That's what yeah. I was looking for. Yeah, she's she's the moral compass, and, and I think um, you can you can see that uh, I don't know that 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 you can stand alone um, and and stand up for something, even if the if the world's crumbling around you. Metaphor, you know, you can still stand true and you can still be happy you can or i guess she wasn't necessarily happy but as she's younger she has um a mother who's absolutely torrid and terrible she has all these bad circumstances around her and she she's able to stay strong through that and um and then you see uh her the, the love of her life who who's the only family she's ever really had other than her dad and then once he dies it's basically him and he ends up going down this road of destruction but she still stays up somewhat optimistic she's still constantly trying to um stay true in all of this and 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 maybe that's i don't know if that's unique or or whatever but i like the way um she's portrayed just he told that that, that, she's portrayed and 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 you really do end up caring for her and yeah. and 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 I don't know why it is that uh she resonated with me so well but but he does it he does it really well I don't know if it's unique but you 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 truly do connect Josh what do, you, what do you think he's bringing to this genre I, I think I mean it, so part of it reminds me of Idiocracy. Have either of you guys seen that yeah, that yeah. movie? Right. Yeah, good it reminds it reminds me of Idiocracy, but in a less funny way, right? Mm-hmm. In a less like poking fun way, and a more in like, dude, we've got a serious freaking problem, and this is what's going to happen way, right? But it's also, I, and it's it's a very comic booky way, right? There's there's funny gags in the screens that he's seeing, but at the same time, there's something that feels really serious about the situation they're in um, that I think is it's a, it's a retread. I'm not exactly sure what makes it feel fresh. Maybe it's the, maybe it's that they're going to escape it. Maybe that, maybe that you've got one person completely addicted in, 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 in one person who's not. And so like, like Scott said, she's that moral compass or that beacon of light in, in the story. And so maybe that's what, that plays well or makes it seem fresh as you're not just watching everybody stew in crap, mm-hmm. but there is a solution, you right. know? Yeah. No, those are good points. Yeah, it is. You know, it is, it does kind of run the risk of, of being overbearing with that trope. I think that, um, I don't know if, if a lot new is being brought to it, but I, Josh, I like what you said about, the things that, that are fun to read about this book, like the, all the details in the background, yeah. the funny dick yeah. and fart jokes that are all over the pages, they're funny. But I was I was like reading the first issue, I'm like, oh, this looks so cool. This society looks so cool. And like, oh, it's funny. I'm like, wait, no, I'm not supposed to think that. Like, yeah, what? no. Like that's like that I had to like, reflect on me. I'm like, why do I think that's cool? Like, mm-hmm. why do I, like, that's, this is supposed to be like the darkest – most apocalyptic future, and I'm like, this is pretty badass. And I, I felt like, oh no, I'm one of the idiots. I'm one of the idiots. <laughs> You're one of the problems. But then I felt okay because when they went to Tokyo, I was like, ah, yes. Oh, you are home, Travis-san. <laughs> I thought, like, as as I read that first issue, the one part at the very end where I finally um like, you're like, oh, that doesn't seem so bad. You get whatever we want whenever you want it. But at the very end, 
when she goes to like make it with him, right? If I can, you know, they're like, fuck, <laughs> right? They're, they're, <laughs> they go, they're, fuck. they're like, uh, they're about to, they're about to perform intercourse. And <laughs> he's like, hey, hold on, man. My shows are on. And I was like, oh, man, this is not a society I want to <laughs> live in, right? I don't want it. Like, yeah. it was did that, I, did that hit too close to home, Josh. It was at that last that last page that last page of the story where yeah, you I really know. see how much how not part of society he is right, right. and, no, and yeah, yeah and it I, sometimes it just takes sex to to there's this to hot get that naked chick just straddling you and you're like my shows are on <laughs> gotta oh. watch my tunes you know to, it goes back to that old adage right wherever there's a hot chick there's some dude tired of fucking her. <laughs> So or or that that panel where uh, her mother looks at her and says, you know, f off, Mama's having her afternoon pleasure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That like, was, oh, that and it's drawn. You're like, yeah. what? Is what that is, in the, is that in the first issue or is that in the second, second issue? issue. That's, that's okay. Second. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, that's definitely that's... that was definitely like. Ugh. It reminded me of uh, remember when Chris Farley and Adam Sandler did that Zagat's guide and Chris Farley's dressed in drag and he's t- he's reading the reviews for Zagat's he's like three stars they say they have the best meatballs in town kill me now yes yeah uh, it, I would I will say is as far as that trope goes it felt heavy handed in that first issue but that heavy handedness kind of it. It goes away, and I think part of it goes away because they go to Tokyo. But at the same time, Remender stops beating you over the head with it. And I think that that was the point in that first issue was to bludgeon you mm-hmm. and put you in that world. And then he's kind of able to step away step away from it for the rest of it. Right, and that's just one of the themes. I mean, and I yeah. think the other layers are great too. We talked about that one for a while, but I, I like the idea of Scott said is what, you know, like what lengths will you go to to um, – to overcome a weakness, you know, cheating, yeah. basically. Also, yeah. we have, like, when do you give up on somebody? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Debbie Decay should have given up on that deal a long time ago, and you, she does have that dilemma of, like, should I give up on him? This is my last mm-hmm. shot. Should I give up on him? And those are all things, I think, uh, just apply to our little 2016 domestic world as well. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I would agree. I think that's that's a big part of it. So we've talked story, Travis. <sighs> I know what you're going to say. <sighs> Let's let's talk art. And I want to I want to ask Scott. Scott, this is not normal. I mean, this is this is not mainstream comic book art. This is this is pretty, you know, this is normal fare for image comics. So, this you don't see a lot of this in DC or Marvel. This kind of style work, this kind of like um imagery. You also don't see this many dongs. Let's let's put that out there too. You also don't see that many dongs in Marvel books. But yeah. as someone who this is your first comic book, what how did it play into what you think comic books were art wise or how was it different than what you expected excellent question absolutely completely different than than what i would expect a comic book to be for sure and comic art to be mm-hmm. um I, I mean i think i think i think um of marvel like the or or dc like the batman shows growing up or x men yeah um, uh, that kind of thing and and so this is this is very different and i think just this medium as um as art is 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 a lot i guess cooler than i thought it could be too mm-hmm. i thought that it i thought it was this very much comic books are this and yeah. this definitely you know, smashed all my preconceived notions of what a comic book is and what it can look like. And and to me, this was very much art. I mean, it was very much a, you know, a, a, a great medium to tell a story and to get really, you know, deep and, and philosophical about something more so than I thought this medium could, could possibly achieve. You know what, Travis? I think we can stop the show right there. We- <laughs> <laughs> You've been exposed. Um, no, that, 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 that's that, always good to hear. I, I, yeah. I, I love it. I, I'm curious. You know, I think you think it's words and then it's art and it's words and then it's art. And it's amazing how quickly your mind blends those two and mm-hmm. how it there, there becomes – it just they, just they just become so – you know, 
simpatico and and all of a sudden i think it allows creators to tell a story in a much more detailed way they can really aside from making a film which is going to cost millions and millions of dollars they can they can tell the story in the way that they're picturing it the most accurately with comic book form so yeah i I think i think travis i think you're you're right with it right that i mean all those little visual gags or visual cues of what the world is like where he's you know you see all of his screens going on Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be able to do that. You could show it in a movie, but you as an audience member wouldn't be able to look at every little thing he was looking at and be able to take it in unless they sat on that frame for a really long period of time. I think what comic books allow you to do, and I think what this medium allows you to do, is and it, it literally every you know a picture is worth a thousand words. It's, you know this the, the trite saying, but the way that that Sean Murphy draws. Literally every panel can have a thousand things going on in it that build a world in a way that that a movie can't, that a, a quick montage can't do as much justice as I think you can in a in a big panel spread in a book like Tokyo Ghost. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's that's what I love about Sean Murphy's art. Not only do I like the style, the, the kind of sketchiness as we described during Chrononauts, where he's leaving that, in the cross hatching, he's yeah. leaving in everyone's got whiskers, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and I, I just love the angles. I love the physiology of how he draws human beings. Uh, it's both. It's it's not realistic, but it's also cool and stylistic. And I I, I really love that. Um, you know, and I think what I what I love, I think this is why I like him at his best. I think this is him at his best so far that I've seen is uh-huh. because of those backgrounds. It's because mm-hmm. there are there's layers upon layers and la- upon layers in this book. In fact, there's so many layers that I heard he had to give this to Hollingsworth to color in like bits and pieces. Like he had to give it in <laughs> layers because yeah. you color this layer, then you color this layer, then you color this layer. There's foreground, there's midground, there's background, there's back back background. You know, and I think yeah. that. I don't know how he has the energy to 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 put so much detail in each one of these panels, but I think that's why he's one. My he's my favorite working in the industry right now today, um, and I, I just think he understands the cinematic scope of the stories that he he is uh, drawing. I, I I think you're totally right, and I'm just flipping through while while we're talking, and I just found one of those little nuggets, right? Like one of the little things he adds yeah. in. Uh, there's a there's like a panel. Um, where they're like, there's this river and there's all these people on this bridge, you know, it's, it's while he's in the, the EMP has been shut off and there are, where are they at? No, they're not. He comes it. So him and, and what's his name is taken over that part of Tokyo and there's a giant screen and they're all on this giant screen. Uh, and they're dumping, uh, there's like a garbage truck that's dumping comics into the lake or into the river. There's like a little dump truck dumping stuff into the river, and it, it says comics. Oh, on, I, I didn't even catch that. That's yeah. awesome. It's like says comics on the dumpster, and there's just all these little tiny little things in it um, that are that are just like if you go back and look, you may have missed it, but there's always something extra to kind of enjoy on these panels. And I think like Sean Murphy does a fantastic job of of making making that happen on almost every page. You can dig into those backgrounds and just find some really cool stuff to look at. You know, and let's not forget about Hollingsworth. I think anytime yeah. Holling, Hollingsworth is on a book, he's more than just a colorist. Uh, I, I, not saying that colorists aren't important, but I, I feel like he has a, a clear distinction uh, and idea of the story that he's trying to convey through yeah. the palette. And I think that him and Sean, uh, Sean Murphy working together. I mean, it's the dream team right there, man. They just <laughs> compliment each other. I just, I could just, I, this is a book that you don't have to read. You can go back just that first issue alone. There are so many little nuggets in the background that you can sit, drink a beer and just flip through this book. And just, it's, it's just, Oh, I love it. I so, love it. So, it is, it is for sure art. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah. So, Travis, this will make you happy. This will make you happy. I don't know if you know this or not, Travis, but there is an artist edition of this trade that's uh, bigger sized, and it's all of the black and white work by Sean Murphy. Oh, man. So there is a, get, out my, get out my cash card. There's a, there's a bigger version. So it's the um, larger print version of it, the oversized version of it. Uh, and 
I was like, oh, man, do I tell Travis about this or do I, like, surprise him with it as a gift? I'm too poor to surprise you with it as a gift. So I'm going to tell it. you about I'm it and let you spend right your own your own <laughs> Pearson money on it. But um, it is there is Hollinsworth does some fantastic colors in here. He really sets the mood from page to page with whatever colors he's using. There's a lot of like pastels in it that seem odd, but they really kind of paint this like really cool. I don't know. Like it sets like a real mood for every part of the book, you know, that, that I think you wouldn't get if someone else had colored it. Right. Even the way they do like that geisha girl uh, at the end, she's like pink. Yeah, you know, we know she has some kind of extraordinary powers, but sometimes she like just glows. You're like, those are choices, like color. I mean, I'm sure they talked about it as a team, but making it stand out, you know, against the landscape. So, Scott, you're up first, buddy. You know the show. You know it's time for favorite panel. Are you gonna? You gonna? You should put that in in post. Make that. You know that. Mine. You. You've already talked about it and and it's an obvious choice but it's that full spread when they're in tokyo and uh you have um lead chasing the ninja guy and he's jumping yeah. off and you have the the guy the ninja guy in a crouching position and harvey all sprawled out with his gun out and then you see in the background uh tokyo and it's you you can see that it's it's not you know normal tokyo at all it's definitely this apocalyptic tokyo if you will just like you saw apocalyptic los angeles and and it's craziness you have definitely apocalyptic tokyo but you know things are definitely in chaos but in but then you see how the 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 trees that have taken over and 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 the you know the greenery and all of that taking over uh creating still this like majestic beautiful it, even though there's chaos there's beauty and it's like um it 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 is a breath of fresh air after all that you've gone through in the first few issues you then are opened up to this whole other world and it is so just like i i don't know i i honestly prob i spent for sure the (laughs) most time digesting this picture and i i just was like for for five minutes i mean like one mississippi two mississippi five minutes (laughs) like was was looking at this and just was it was so cool like the his choice of colors the the everything it was just it was so cool that is and you're right you nailed it i think that is the if you could make it to that point in the book no matter what you think of the first issue if you could make it to that point in the second issue i think that's what hooks you just because there's so much potential there on this world and it's so beautiful and it is like you said it is that deep breath of of we we feel as the characters, it's that freeing. He literally takes the leap. He's taking a leap off the, the yeah. And I love how in 2016, the most technology advanced city in the world, Tokyo, has become the least technology advanced yeah. city. You know, it's just a beautiful irony in there. Yeah. I think how it's well, overgrown I, by jungle. I think that that page is a great payoff for the two pages before it, mm-hmm. because there's this kind of frantic pace that's set for the two pages right before it. The way it's set up. They lock eyes. He like grabs his gun. You see the panels where he's chasing him. You feel the you know that uh, uh, Sean Murphy does those speed lines on the on the one where he's running, and then this is where a double page spread pays off. It is just it's huge. It's gorgeous. The two characters are spread out from each other, so you really have to take in those two pages. You have really have to look at those two pages to see what's going on, and it is it is. You're right, Scott. It is gorgeous. Yeah, you're, and that's a good point, Josh. Like uh, <laughs> geometrically, it's set up to yeah. capture your attention. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's a good point. All right, Josh, you're up. All right, so mine is just you know there were so many parts in the like when they're when they're in L.A. that I was like, oh, I should pick that. I should pick that. But there's one there's one panel a little later that is kind of like the same idea. So if you flip 
I wish they would. I, mean, I just want them to put pages on I this. I know. I don't know why. Just spend the extra cent of ink. <laughs> <laughs> just put a page. So we're in the, it is the uh, second to last issue. So it's issue four. Uh, it's after uh, they've been found out. They're being, you know, the, the guys who don't like them are coming after, uh, are coming after Lead Dent or Teddy or whatever you want to call him. And there's a waterfall panel. Mm, and yeah. so they're fighting at the edge of the waterfall. Uh, Teddy just cuts this dude's head off. And it's like super gruesome. And then that waterfall panel at the very bottom, it's essentially the whole splash page, but there's some panels over top of it. Have you guys found but, it yet? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry, that. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, that's, this waterfall panel is my choice just because I love how sparse it is. There's just something about the color in it does a great job. You see all the action close up, but then you get this nice pull away of of, of Teddy falling, and I it's just a beautiful little it's just a beautiful little page. That was almost my pick too. Uh, I, I love it because it's it's so different. It's almost like as an artist, there is a sense of I gotta tell a story. I gotta I gotta pack these panels in, and here is clearly a decision to just let that sink in, and you feel the coldness and the emptiness of the night, and you feel the epicness of that waterfall, and yet it adds to that piece because it's a beautiful waterfall, and there's these yeah. horrendous acts happening above it. Someone just got decapitated. Another person's being thrown off of it, and you know nothing will end well, but in this garden, it just adds to that whole you know atomic garden, like a garden that's yeah. beautiful but also chaotic. He's done this thing, you know, he does this thing throughout the book where panels are just filled with stuff. But this last couple, these fight scenes in the last couple books take a really sparse, like, ninja, like, kung fu movie quality to them, right? If I can, you know, there's, there's the next page, if you just flip pages, the next page, it's all silhouettes of the fighting for a page. And that's so unlike the rest of the book where it's yeah. really detailed. Yeah. And so that waterfall is kind of like, you know, this kind of beautiful step back to where we can just really let the actions of the characters speak and we don't have to have all the stuff in the background fluff it up. I mean, I love Sean Murphy's background stuff, but this panel lets you just take a step back for a second and go, whoa, you know, right. there's just something cool about it. So, Travis, what's yours? Um, of course, I have to pick one where they're naked. Uh, this, is how <laughs> I, this is how I do it. Mine's actually the, <clears throat> the first uh, panel on the beginning of issue four. Okay. Um, uh, Dent and uh, Debbie are uh, sitting on a rock, and they just uh-huh. boned. <laughs> uh, post, they're in post-coital bliss, but they're sitting there, and they're relaxed around this, this rock in this, this pond. And like that alone, I'm like, oh, that's a cool shot. And then my eyes are drawn to that background, and you get, mm-hmm. you see like what Scott liked about that other panel. Uh, in this warm kind of orange glow, you see the architecture of of Tokyo, uh, and it's surrounded by this mist and kind of mirror on the water. And I just like ah, it just it's just it's like when you watch Willy Wonka, and you're like, man, I really want to be in that. I want to be in that uh, factory. I got to give you that factory, man. Uh, this is like one of the panels where I'm like, ah, oh, just, ah, uh, I don't know. And I guess maybe this is maybe where some of my living in Japan nostalgia comes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I've been to little ponds like this. I've seen like the little, the, the Tory gates and the Tory uh, and all those things. And there is, there is something about Japan. And I, I don't think that Sean Murphy probably went to Japan to study uh, the Mo, but if he, if, if if he did, I would believe him because he does capture this certain sense of of calmness and symmetry and togetherness that is in Japan, in the environment of Japan. Like it was almost as if um, it was beautifully laid out uh, in nature, and he captures that sense of peace. And uh, I guess bushido, you know, they use that term a lot, you know, living the, the Japanese way, living the peaceful way. And I believe he captures that with the art. And this is a great panel that uh, encapsulates that. Well, gentlemen, I think we can all agree that this was a good book. Yeah. I think we can say mm-hmm. that. I think we can say that. Great. I like so it a lot. Here, here's what I want to know. Here's what I know, Scott. Um, now that you read this, what do you... I'm not telling you to go out and read a bunch of comic books. I wouldn't. I am telling you to go out and read a bunch of comic books. <laughs> what? What would you? What kind of stories 
since you've seen what comics can do, what kind of stories do you want to seek out in this medium? Truly, um, more of the same, I think. I mean, that that really interested me. I This, this whole story, I do want to continue reading this particular trade. Mm-hmm. I'd like to keep up with it and when when the next one comes out i want to i want to keep up with it and i'm interested for sure in that and then you know more of the same i mean um like i i genuinely um i think enjoy uh a lot of the comic book stuff i love i love watching the movies and i honestly felt by reading this comic that i dove into almost like a, you know a daredevil you know, type, season one type moment where I'm like, yeah. you know, going and 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 still having that same feeling of enjoyment, um, but but re you know, reading the comic book as opposed to watching it on the screen. So I definitely think I'm interested in it, and and I'm still such a, a novice, and so I you know whatever I would do. I would probably <laughs> rely on Travis and just say, Travis, point me in, a, in the right direction. But I'm, I'm interested in <laughs> Tra- yeah, Travis. What do you recommend for him, Josh? Oh, if he likes gosh. this. I mean, I think you, so you guys. Here, here's what I here's what I would here's what I would say. There is a complete story. Um, I think why the last man. The art's a little more comic booky than this. It's not as, or I guess it's a little more cartoony. Is maybe a better mm-hmm. word than than comic than comic booky. Um, but it is a big story that i that is done really well in comic book form um there are a ton of sci-fi stories image puts out a bunch of them you know what i mean uh are we, what have we read travis that you think would, would um would you know we're mender you got black science um yeah black you know, I, I really the same like black author science. and the art isn't that far off Honestly, to no, tell you the truth, it's not. Yeah, Black uh, it's more sci-fi. I, I've been, I've been, you know, talking about Preacher for years with Scott. I think Why yeah. the Last Man was even a better place to start than that Preacher. Uh, I like Why the Last Man as as a uh, next saga. It'll allow, it'll allow you, saga, yeah, yeah. Saga. I'd say really Saga good. too. Yeah, there's choices. We'll talk. We'll talk. <laughs> yeah. So here, here's what we got to do, Travis. You'd recommend this book, right? I would recommend this book absolutely. I would definitely recommend this book. Scott, your job is to find someone who's never read a comic Ooh, and tell them yeah. to read Tokyo Ghost. <laughs> yeah. Bring him into the world. I will. Definitely. Don't, right. pick, don't pick an Asian person because that, that's not, that's not going to work out well. All right. So, I, so I know right. Why know is right. it called Tokyo Ghost, guys? I don't – you know, this is – Gabby uh, – so I was, I was telling my wife before the podcast started. I'm like, man, I am tired. And she goes, do you want me to do the podcast tonight? I'm like, have you read Tokyo Ghost? And she's like, it's about Tokyo – and there's a ghost. <laughs> and I said, no, actually, there's no ghost. And I'm like, unless the technology has turned us into ghosts. Ooh. <laughs> we're, ghosts we're ghosts of our former selves. All right, Bruce Willis, you are tired. Because, right? <laughs> so I see dead people. So, um, guys, uh, great conversation. Scott, it was awesome to have you on the show. We appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you guys having me and, and, and exposing me to comics. Like you're, and, and I've been dying to want to read some of these. There was a few, the underwater welder. I listened to you guys talk about well, it. I really one. wanted, I wanted to read it. And then I'm like, no, but Travis, Travis said specifically, I, I feel a lot of pressure to give you, you know, to, to because he was going to bring me on, and he's like, yeah. I know this is your first exposure to comics. I don't want to mess it up, but I've been listening, and I'm a big fan of your show, and so I've wanted to to, to dive in, but I haven't. But now, you know, maybe I'll go, read some with you I too. Want to, I want to put some go music read on. Underwater Welder. Yeah, I want to put some go, music yeah. on, light some candles, make it his first time special. You know, yeah. I get you. I understand. I understand. Uh, so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in and listening. You can find us on Twitter at Comic Exposure. You can find this podcast, you found it, and a ton more just like it at uh, ComicExposure.com. Our archive is up there. We updated the website. It looks beautiful. Thank you, Travis, for putting all that work in there to do that for us. Uh, so you can go back and listen to our archives. Uh, when we talked about uh, Underwater Welder, you can go back and 
listen to us talk about black science. You can go back and listen to us talk about all sorts of comic mm. books. So, and ladies future and gentlemen, episodes we have a, we have a uh, announcement coming up, which is going to affect people locally uh, yes. in the summertime. Here, we'll we'll give you some more information on that uh, in the next episode. Yeah. So, thanks for tuning in, guys. And uh, this has been the Comic Exposure Podcast. I'm Josh Buck, and my partner in crime, Travis Ratz. And we'll see you next trade.